Delane Cooper worked in the tech world, in sales and marketing to be precise, but was given the opportunity following her marriage of switching careers to something more creative. After exploring her interests in painting and teaching, Delane apprenticed with a goldsmith before enrolling in a jewelry program at George Brown College in Toronto. She's been a goldsmith now for 14 years. Delane uses 3D printing technology and something called the lost wax process to cast her jewelry. From a piece that's been cast, I actually take it back to my studio and then work at taking the casting skin off, um, which involves um, emerying or sanding. And then similar to um, finishing any kind of metal, uh, taking it down various grits to get it to that high polish. And I do that all of that by hand sitting at my bench. Delane is also a big proponent of giving back and is the driving force behind the Lotus Hero Project. Uh, proceeds of this particular bracelet, which is based on a lotus flower. And I don't know if you know this, Bonnie, but a lotus flower grows from the mud and muck and uh, sees its way through that mud and muck to blossom above water to be this beautiful flower. And I utilize that flower as a symbol of um, for people of trauma, especially childhood sexual abuse, to uh, use this uh, bracelet, if you will, as a metaphor of showing them the light that they can be they can be a light for other people. On this episode of Run It Like a Girl, Delane talks about her project, My Story, The Story of Many, and her book that spawned from it. Delane Cooper on this episode of Run It Like a Girl. excited today to be recording in our studio with Delane Cooper, a jewelry designer, goldsmith, and artist. Delane, thank you so much for joining us for an episode of Run It Like a Girl. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> thank you so much, Bonnie. Awesome. Well, let's just get started. How about uh, we start? Tell us a bit about your background, where you came from, and what led you to, to, become, um, to become the person you are today? Well, um, I actually have a background in sales and marketing and have done quite a lot of sales and marketing, primarily in the technology world. And when I got married, I had the opportunity to switch careers and do something more creative. My husband said to me one day, honey, fast forward and pretend you're uh, at retirement age. And if you could rethink what you wanted to do, what would you like to do? And I said, well, I'd like to paint, maybe be a school teacher or a goldsmith. And he said, well, go out, go find yourself. And so um, I did. I painted, did not like that, did not pan out well. Um, a couple of friends who are teachers actually um, had me go to their classes and see if I would be interested in doing that. And that gave me such an appreciation for teachers. Um, I realized that uh, the effort and the energy and the dedication to um, contributing to children and our future is so key. And my t 
type of personality was not suited for it. And, or at least I perceived to be. And then, um, I took a jewelry course at Harborfront Center and then followed a goldsmith there. And from that point, she said, I was probably with her for about a year and a half. And she said, Hey, Delane, um, I've taught you everything that I could teach you. I think you need to go to school. So I went to George Brown College and I've been a goldsmith for the last, uh, 14 years now. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So, years. so that's, uh, that took a lot of courage, really. You know, you're in a career, you're a bit established and you decide, I, I like what your husband said, where, where do you see yourself at retirement? That's a, a pretty yeah. cool outlook. <laughs> um, well, not a lot of people are given that gift, right? And, and I was blessed to have my husband give me that opportunity. And that's something to recognize because, um, you know, not a lot of people are, uh, afforded that position. So, yeah, you're right. Um, and you know what I find interesting when we chatted, um, on, uh, on the train, cause we're a couple commuters. Um, you, <laughs> you talked about, uh, about storytelling and mm-hmm. how you connect that back to the pieces that you're designing. Can you, uh, t- tell us a little bit about that and, and what that process looks like for you? So as I used to do a lot of make believe kind of lock myself and, my little armoire and tell stories. And I guess it was being a shy kid and um, not having a lot of friends. Uh, So um, I was able to parlay that into being uh, as an adult and finding my creative voice. And basically when I create a piece of jewelry, I a person for anywhere between an hour to a couple of hours, depending upon the piece. And then I, after recording um, key facts from our interview, I do some research and then I meditate on that information. And then from meditation, uh, before I go to sleep at night, I consciously look at the information and then the design actually comes to me in my dream. Oh, wow. And then from there, I actually write anywhere between a one to 10 page story based on um, the kind of piece that it is. And that goes from engagement rings to taking um, family heirloom pieces and then reimagining it into a piece to be uh, passed down within the family. Um, sometimes uh, women who have experienced a divorce, uh, they will actually ask me to take their engagement ring and cleanse the energy out of it and reimagine it into a brand new piece. And I write a story that is for that individual on how to embrace their new self, if you will, and move forward in their life to be the person that they see themselves to be. Wow. So it's very connected to the pieces and, and quite spiritual, your process that you go through to create these stories. Um, that's yes. really interesting. Um, and you know, I think maybe even, I, I just not really taking a step back, but I was just thinking about it as you were answering that. Um, so as a goldsmith, can you tell us a bit about that? Because you're a jewelry designer, but you are also a goldsmith. So, um, you know, maybe what does that mean? Like, where do you start with the piece? Like, how do you, what is your actual process to create a piece? 
Well, it, there's several things to take into consideration. So it's one, when I'm with the client, finding out what metal do they want to use? Is it silver, gold, or platinum? And that somewhat dictates what I'm doing. In some cases, if it's a necklace, it can be, hey, Delane, I would like pearls or um, emerald beads or sapphire beads. So it just really depends and on what the actual material is. And then based on material, I'll go ahead and start uh, looking at possibilities. So uh, I guess to answer your question a little bit better is let's, for the sake of conversation, use a ring. Once a client has said, hey, Delane, I would like to use gold. And the same process is still the same with silver or platinum. But let's design a gold ring. Okay, fine. Um, do you want the ring to be wide, skinny? How many stones do you want on it? And once we determine that, I actually sit down with pencil and kind of and paper and do a bit of a sketch. And then I sit at my bench afterwards and carve some wax to kind of get a feel of the space this ring is going to take up and what it looks like. Once I'm happy with what that wax piece looks like, I work with a uh, CAD guy and I utilize modern technology to 3D print. So especially when it comes to setting diamonds um, or precious stones like sapphires, or rubies, um, I want it to be as exact as possible. From there, I take that wax and get it cast, and I utilize the lost wax process. And um, it's kind of a little bit of a long process to explain, so I will suggest to your readers, given our time period, to um, research it, but it's since ancient times, and um, it's simple, and it's clean. And for such an ancient process, we still use it today. Wow. From a piece that's been cast, I actually take it back to my studio and then work at taking the casting skin off, um, which involves um, emerying or sanding. And then similar to um, finishing any kind of metal, uh, taking it down various grits to get it to that high polish. And I do that all of that by hand sitting at my bench. Wow. That's, that's awesome. That's really cool. Because I think, you know, when I, you can almost see it right from uh, when you talk about ancient times and what that, what that looks like. So um, I'd love to talk, maybe move it a little bit. I know you work with the, um, different organizations. And as part of your work is, is charity work and giving back. Um, could you tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about that? Well, uh, so in my own jewelry business, I give back in a couple of ways. One is I work with the Canadian Women's Foundation. I designed a custom piece for them. And so um, with the mandate that they have in giving voice to uh, women and girls in Canada, um, especially to women of the poor or who have um, experienced um, some traumas, uh, proceeds go back to them and helping with their programming. And it 
what I'm pleased to uh, share is that their program is as it should be throughout Canada. So that's one way. Another is um, through my own company. I actually design a bracelet called the Lotus Hero Project. And it's quite a large project that I'm working on. But uh, proceeds of this particular bracelet, which is based on a lotus flower. And I don't know if you know this, Bonnie, but a lotus flower grows from the mud and muck and uh, sees its way through that mud and muck to blossom above water to be this beautiful flower. And I utilize that flower as a symbol of um, for people of trauma, especially childhood sexual abuse, to uh, use this uh, bracelet, if you will, as a metaphor of showing them the light that they can be um, they can be a light for other people. So I'm, and the proceeds of that particular bracelet are going to quite a large project called My Story, The Story of Many. And I've interviewed 12 survivors of childhood sexual abuse and sharing their story through jewelry. And what's exciting about it is especially, uh, with what's going on in today's world with the Me Too movement um, and for Dr. Ford and so forth, I want to highlight both men and women who have experienced uh, trauma from childhood sexual abuse and that they are not broken. And that's what I'm highlighting is that these victims, they do not see themselves as victims. They are active participants in society and consciously give back to society. So that is quite a large art project that I'm working on. And then I also work for a company called Animal Stone. And we design 3D, or I design, I should say, and make 3D anatomically correct animal charms. And we have paired with certain organizations where proceeds of each animal go to that organization. So for example, example, uh, we've partnered with the orangutan project. So for every orangutan that sells proceeds go to help with the habitat of saving orangutans. Um, to bring it here locally in our area, we have partnered with Sandy Pines Wildlife Center. And so for every fox that sells proceeds go to Sandy Pines to help them rehabilitate animals and then be able to release them back into the wild. Ah, wow. That's really cool. Both of those projects. Um, that's amazing. Um, so I'd like to, so you mentioned, um, in the first project they were working on with the Lotus that you've been, uh, you've been telling stories through it and you have, um, you actually have a book coming out in late fall 2018. Um, Yes. Can, tell us a bit about that and, and how people can, uh, where people will be able to, to find it. So the book is called Letters to Eli, My Story, The Story of Many. And it is um, my story of, of my experience, but more from the standpoint as an adult and educating others on how a childhood experience can how that manifests as an adult. And so the book is actually written in present day. 
And what I think you'll appreciate, Bonnie, is I actually wrote the book on the train on the way in <laughs> and from Toronto. <laughs> ah, using your time wisely. <laughs> exactly. And so it's written present day on the train. I actually mentioned the train and um, something either on the train or at one of the stations triggers me to the past. And so I bring um, a past experience and share that. And then I, at the end of the chapter, I come back to present to share the learning experience and in the hopes that one, other people of experience know that they can come through their trauma and not play victim to their trauma to to share with others who either are loved ones of someone with experience or maybe just a friend. Because I also know that there are men and women who have had friends disclosed to them as an adult, and then they become very uncomfortable and don't know what to do with that information. And all I want to sh- share is, is just listen to them. Obviously, that individual... Um, thought you were trustworthy enough to share something so intimate. So just listen and you don't need to fix them. Uh, they're not looking to be fixed. They just want to be heard. Yeah. <laughs> the book will be available on Amazon and Kindle. But if people just go to um, my Facebook page on Delane or look on my website, delane.ca, um, I'll be announcing uh, how, you know, people can get access to the book. Maybe we can uh, change directions just a little bit and mm-hmm. talk about uh, being a business owner and, sure. and running your own business. Because, you know, as an artist and you went to school for that, um, you know, how did you how did you go to running your own business and understanding what that means and, and what it's like? Um, and how do you find support? I think one of the things that some entrepreneurs forget is, uh, let me speak, I'll speak to my experience in particular. Um, Having worked in the corporate world, there is so much to learn from there in regards to um, maintaining budgets, especially with the kind of businesses that uh, I had to work with. I was in sales and marketing for telecom and also for a beauty brand company and budgets were really important. And so taking those uh, key learnings and transferring them to one's own business um, can be quite daunting, but it's important. And it's taking those skill sets, learning um, sales and marketing, being open to um, talking about oneself, whereas it's always easier to sell someone else, but to sell w- oneself, it always seems that the ego kicks in and you're bragging. So need to park that ego and just know that you're selling yourself. Um, it, it's, getting up in the morning and knowing you have the courage to believe in oneself and, and go out and do it. Um, Yes, there are tools that you have to use, like whether if you're starting out, use an Excel spreadsheet. If you 
are able to use FreshBooks or Quicken, by all means, those are really good financial tools as well. Um, but I think it's just breaking it down, all the things that we probably don't expect as an entrepreneur that we experience in um, jobs that we've worked in and taking those and kind of saying, okay, this is a company I've worked for. What are the things that run that company? And then making note of that and then um, taking the skill sets that you have and applying it and then finding out where the gaps are. Um, some entrepreneurs have to do it all. I do. Um, some entrepreneurs are uh, financially in a place where they can outsource certain things, in particular bookkeeping, financing, and that's fantastic. So I, I think it's trying not to be overwhelmed with running a business. Uh, but if it is something that you really want to do, um, you have to look at what your skill sets are and be realistic with it. I just have one final question for you. And it's a question that we ask uh, all of our guests on Run It Like a Girl. Mm -hmm. And that's if, if you could sit down for coffee with the 20 year old version of yourself, what would that conversation mm -hmm. look like? And, and what kind of uh, what kind of advice would you give? Wow, I would probably say don't be so afraid and don't pay attention to what other people think so much. It's interesting, especially in running one's own business, how uh, the mind can say, play every scenario in regards to what this person is going to think, what that person's going to think. All of that role playing for sure is important in running a business. But as an owner, you can't get hung up on it as well. Because um, in many cases, the ego or the mind will play a lot more negativity than positive. And um, you just have to acknowledge it and just say, okay, well, that's just talk. And I'm going to go ahead and do this, feel the fear and do it. And so I guess I would say to my 20 year old self, feel the fear and do it. Well, Delaine, I want to thank you so much for, uh, for joining us today for this episode and sharing your insights. And uh, it's, it's just been really great. So thank you so much. Thank you, Bonnie. I really appreciate it. Run It Like a Girl is hosted by Bonnie Moak. Brian Long is the producer. Web design and technical assistance provided by Dan Moak. And music courtesy of the talented Brooklyn Gillichuk. Christine Robertson is a partner and leader for marketing and sales at PWC Canada. Her path, however, was far from straight. First into sales for a wine and spirits company, then into a variety of roles within the tech industry. Christine took on a global role at PWC while leading a major transformation among all firms across 185 countries, affecting about 236,000 people. Christine Robertson on the next episode of Run It Like a Girl.